invite you to turn again to Luke chapter 2. I'd like to read again our text tonight, verses 15 through 20. Luke 2, verses 15 through 20. I couldn't help but think when, as Callie was singing, in heaven we're all going to sound like that. (laughs) Amen. Thank you so much, Callie. Luke is a a historian, and uh, so Luke uh, carefully researched, uh, because Luke wants to be careful to uh, explain things as they really happened. Uh, Luke is, um, is, uh, after doing his research now, tells us a story uh, of, um, of what happened on that first night when Christ was born, and uh, he, he gives us details that are not found in the other Gospels, uh, because Luke really wants to pound home. Uh, this actually, truly happened, and it makes all the difference. Let's uh, look at the difference it made in the lives of those who heard, beginning at verse 15 of Luke chapter 2. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's ask for the Lord's blessing. Lord Jesus, now as we open this word, we thank you for Luke and his diligence in his research and for the Spirit's aid as he wrote these words so that we might hear the testimony that the shepherds heard. And we pray that that spirit would help us then to respond as they responded with faith, with joy, with worship and witness. And, and Father, uh, may, may this happen here in, in this place for our blessing and your, your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, tonight we're going to be looking at the topic of receiving the gift that God has given at Christmas time, the gift that God has given, and uh, we've been thinking about that the last few weeks. Pastor Wayne uh, preached a few weeks ago on John three sixteen. Uh, <clears throat> God so loved the world that He gave, and He gave His Son. That is the ultimate gift of Christmas: a Savior for sinners. And this morning we looked at the gift of life and light that we have in Jesus Christ: life and light for sinners lost in darkness and death. Uh, but tonight we want to look specifically at the receiving of the gift, because as you know, every um, gift every uh, gift has two parts, both the giver and the recipient, and both are necessary. Uh, gifts only work if both parts uh, play their part appropriately. So if the giver uh, gives with love and the receiver receives with gratitude, and both are necessary. The reception of the gift is as important as the giving of it for the gift to work. Uh, We've all seen children open presents and sort of wrinkle their nose a little bit and then uh, toss it aside. It's not really what they were looking for and they're they're on to the next one. Surely the next one uh, must be better than this. Uh, That's called gift fail. It didn't work. Uh, Well, one of the things that's most um, startling, if you're paying attention, 
is that uh, as you watch the world around and maybe as you watch your own heart, is that at Christmas time there's massive gift fail. God so loved this world that he gave his only son to die under the curse of death bearing our sin so that God could freely give everlasting life to those who deserve everlasting condemnation in the abyss of hell. That's the gift. And most people wrinkle their nose and casually set it aside. It's not really what they were hoping for. It just doesn't strike them as the most unbelievably precious thing they've ever received. Most people are looking for something else. And so they missed the gift. And this Christmas, again, Luke is writing so that we don't miss what God has given us in Jesus Christ. He tells us the story of the shepherd's response to the angels. The angels came with the incredible message to these men who are illiterate, almost certainly, men who were uh, unreliable as witnesses, men who were not even allowed into courts of law, um, because everyone knows that shepherds just make things up and tell lies, and yet the angels come to them, uh, the lowest of the low, and they say, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That is the great gift of God to this world and to you and to me. And in verses 15 through 20, we see a variety of responses to that great gift. Let's note first the shepherd's response in verse 15, the shepherd's faith, the shepherds believed. Uh, The faith of these illiterate men is impressive. Uh, You see, when the angels departed and the sky returned to normal and the night fell again, uh, these men had two options before them, didn't they? On the one hand, uh, they could have said to one another, that was incredible. That was fascinating. Best music I've ever heard. And then God just got on with the business that they were about, shepherding the sheep. That was one option, and it would have been a a reasonable response. No one would have faulted them. And in fact, um, some would have argued that it was the only appropriate response because after all, uh, sheep need shepherding. It's nighttime. Sheep need watching. You can't just leave your sheep Can you? It's irresponsible. It's risky. It's not proper. That many would make that argument, and and they would be absolutely right, unless something unbelievable and uh, overwhelming and astounding and eternal had happened, and that's, of course, what had happened, and that's what the shepherds believed. They believed the message of the angels. They believed that a Savior had been born to them. That God in some miraculous way had made it possible for them, the lowest of the low, the moral um, vagrants of society, that God had made a way for them to be reconciled, that there could be peace between them and the living God. And if that's true, then who cares about the sheep? Uh, If that's true... The only proper response is to go and see, and and, and that's exactly what they did. With haste, let us go and see this thing that has happened. Now, I want you to notice when they came to faith. Because uh, 
it would be easy for us to assume that they went and they saw the baby and they believed. But that's not the story. The story is that they believed when they heard the message and only after believing did they go to see what they'd been told. They saw having already believed. Which Jesus blesses, doesn't he? Blessed are those who have not seen and, and yet believe. Well, on what basis did they believe? Well, they believed on the basis of the angel's testimony, which they took to be a message directly from the Lord. I love how Luke just lays this out somewhat nonchalant, and yet there's a miracle happening here all by itself, um, that these, these men are able to understand that this was not just an angelic display, an angelic testimony. This was God speaking to them. Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Well, that's, that's a great encouragement to us today. Why, why should we believe and why should we expect others to believe as we tell the story? Well, you see, we and they have every bit as much warrant for faith as the shepherds did. The testimony of this book comes with every bit as much of veracity and weight and authority as the angelic message. This Bible is God speaking to this world. And when this word is proclaimed, when the message is broadcast, you can receive it and you can promise those you're, you're talking with or to, you can promise them this message is not from you. This is a message directly from the Lord. God is speaking into this world. He's doing it right now through his word. And if God is speaking, you see, then, then the words come with weight and they come with authority. And you must make a choice. Will you just keep on watching your sheep, going about your life, doing the things that seem important to you? Or will you respond in what others might even think is an irresponsible or risky way and give your life to this Lord? I love the response of these shepherds. They heard the message. This is from God. This is a message from the Lord. Let us go and see this thing that has happened. It was a fact already in their mind because God had declared it to be so. And we see the evidence of their believing response in their witness and their worship. Verse 17, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. So they believed and they saw, um, their faith was confirmed in their experience, and they, and they began talking. Some of the first evangelists, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful reminder and encouragement again to us. Notice they didn't take an evangelism class. They weren't trained in apologetics. If someone had asked them the problem of evil, uh, to explain how God can be good and yet the world have so much pain, they, they would not have really understood how to answer that. But this they knew, that God had sent angels to them with a message about a Savior. And they had gone and they had seen the truth of it. 
And they were telling everyone about what they had seen and what the angels had said. You see, you don't have to be trained in uh, special classes or, or with, uh, in, in apologetics. You don't have to have the answer to the problem of evil to talk to your neighbor. Just tell them what you know. Tell them what the angels have told you through the word. Tell them what God has said to you in his word. And then, and then tell them why that's making a difference. And, and, and you found that, that there's life in following and knowing this Jesus. You don't have to be an, a, a great apologist. You just need to believe the message is true and that it's the message that people need to hear. Well, the, the shepherds also then returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Luke keeps pounding on that point, as it had been told them, as they'd, as they'd heard. That's what happens when someone actually receives the gift, believes the message. When you, when you really grasp the truth that Christ was born for you, that this means that your sin, all, all your secret, hidden, shameful, wicked, vile sins are able to be forgiven. And the judgment of the law that stands opposed to you, and it stands, friend, if you are not in Christ, it stands opposed to you. The law says the soul that sins shall surely die. But when you receive this gift, when you believe this message, then you're able to understand that Jesus Christ, this baby that was born in Bethlehem, he went to a cross and he took that law and he nailed it to the cross. And there's now no condemnation for those who believe in him and belong to him. And if you believe that, you see, then, then you won't be able to help but worship. That's why we're here tonight. We're here to praise and glorify God. We're not here to entertain ourselves. We're not here just to enjoy a, a, a certain tradition. We're here to say thank you. Yes, Lord. Amen. So be it. Praise your name for the gift of your son. That's how the shepherds responded. Others' uh, response was more muted. We're told, verse 18, that all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. The word wondered here has the, uh, the idea of being uh, amazed. They marveled. Wow, really? Angels? A Savior. Well, that, that's, that's wonderful. That's amazing. They marveled. Many did. Um, but marveling is not the same as believing and receiving, and trusting, and rejoicing because of it. Uh, many times throughout the gospel ministry of Jesus, you'll, you'll hear uh, recorded, uh, the crowds were amazed. The crowds marveled at the miracles. They were amazed at his teaching. It was, um, it was incredible. They'd never seen anything like it. But there's plenty of evidence that the vast majority of those who marveled did not believe. They never actually came confessing their sin and trusting in Jesus Christ as their Savior. They settled for marveling. Luke seems to hint that that's the case here. Uh, many marveled. Others, they wondered. But Mary, there's a distinction, Mary pondered and treasured. Why did so many people, you think, uh, marvel but, but 
didn't rejoice in worship and witness the way the shepherds did. Tim Keller suggests maybe it's because of the messengers themselves that, that everybody knows that uh, shepherds are unreliable. They don't have credibility, and so why would you believe what they had said? Others, it's a, it's a wonderful story. It's an amazing story, but just can't quite figure out why it makes a difference. A Savior is born. Many Jews of that day, well, we're, we're already saved. We're, we're Abram's children. And so it, it just doesn't resonate as something that's essential. Well, whatever the reason, I think it's, it's helpful to remember there will always be reasonable arguments against uh, believing and trusting and rejoicing and worshiping. Uh, Grand Rapids is full of people who, um, many born and raised in the church, but no longer respond to the gospel message with worship and with faith. And, and they'll tell you they have reasons. They, there's, there's reasons. The church did something that offended them. Uh, a, a pastor or a teacher uh, disappointed them. They don't agree with the church's stance on this or that issue. And there's always reasons, and they might be willing to, to, to talk with you about them, but, but the end of it is that, that consequently they, they, there's some resonance with the Christmas story, but, but uh, it's at a sentimental level, and it, and it doesn't go any further than that. One of the things that I love about this Christmas story is it refuses uh, to accept a sentimental gloss. The prophets said that a virgin will conceive and bear a son. The angels testified, God's holy angels, that it actually had taken place on a very specific evening in Bethlehem. Luke records it as historical fact. The question for every man and woman, no matter what your background or experience, is simply this. Are, were the angels lying or telling the truth? Were they lying or telling the truth? Did the virgin birth happen or did it not? Did God come into this world as a man in the person of Jesus Christ? You can't just sentimentally gloss it over. It's a nice story. This is where Larry King is actually a fine theologian. I, I, I love um, when he was... Larry King, the great interviewer, was being interviewed, and someone said to him, of course, when, if you could interview anyone in the whole history of the world, who would you, who would you choose to interview? And he said, I would, it would be Jesus Christ. And uh, the, the, the man asking the question was a little surprised by that. He didn't really sense that Larry King was a religious sort, but he says to him, well, uh, what would you ask him? What would you, what, what would you want to know? And Larry said this very thoughtfully. I talk as if we're buddies, right? Larry... Uh, <clears throat> Larry King says, I would ask him if he was really virgin born. Because the answer to that question would define history for me. That's exactly right. The answer to that question defines history for everyone. Whether you believe it or not. Was he truly virgin born, because if he is truly born, then God has actually sent his son. Then Jesus really truly is Emmanuel, God with us. Then a savior has been born, someone who can wash away sin, remove guilt, robe in righteousness, and give to you and to me and to our neighbors everlasting life. If it happened, don't settle for sentimentality. Don't settle for marveling. Jesus never said, be amazed and you'll be saved. 
But he did say believe. Believe. Receive it. Trust it. Give your life to it. Buy it like you would buy the, the, the greatest pearl you'd ever found. Buy it with all the joy you'd have selling all your possessions because you want to buy the field where the treasure is. Respond to it that way. And you will be saved. And we see that treasuring faith in Mary. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. To ponder is, of course, just to think deeply, to try to figure, how does this fit? How does this work? What did the prophets say? Who is this child? Can you imagine how Mary must have watched and, and, and considered as she watches little Jesus grow? What does this all mean? But she's, she's asking in faith. She's pondering because she believes what the angel had told her. That God was going to provide through her the Messiah that had been promised of old. My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She believed, and she thought, she pondered, and she treasured. She savored. She stored up all these things that are in her mind and, and in her heart. And, and despite all the questions there must have been, she believed what the angels said to her and what the angels had said to the shepherds. She believed that this baby was the Savior of the world. You see a wonderful example of her faith when Jesus performs his first miracle. And she's never seen, as far as we know, Jesus perform miracles. And yet the wine runs out, the wedding at Cana, and the, uh, Jesus says uh, to the servants, or the servants come to, to her saying, well, what do we do? And she says, well, go talk to Jesus. Do whatever he tells you. Mary's already convinced that Jesus, the Son of God, is able to do things. And bring joy to weddings. Well, the question, friend, tonight is what is your response? What is your response? Because the power comes in receiving it. And, and I want you to sense how easy it is for Christians to become cynical to this message. It's just another holiday season, it's busy, too many sweets, it's expensive. We sing the same songs. We hear the same message, and then we're just back into the blues of the post-holiday season, and life goes on, and there can be just a cynicism. It's, it, we know it's true, but we don't ponder it. We don't treasure it. We don't witness to it. We don't worship because of it. it it's true, but it, hasn't, it, it, it just loses its impact and its power. And friend, I just had to confess this, 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 this week even as I'm, as I'm preparing this message. Forgive my unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. If this is true, it's everything. It's everything. Then we're not alone. Then God has, shined, has shown his face and his favor upon us then we, are, we can be rescued. Tim Keller says, if Christmas is just a nice legend, you are on your own. But if Christmas is true, then you can be saved by grace. Only believe, but you must believe. You must receive. John says in his gospel, we, talk, we looked at that this morning, but John says that to as many as received him, he gave the power 
to become children of God. To as many as received him. I would just like to say tonight, if you've never done that, Jesus invites you this evening to receive him. The message has been told to you by the word through angels from a preacher. God has spoken to you, friend. It's not just a story. It actually happened. A Savior has been born. If you've never received it before, do it tonight. It has that urgency to it. Receive it. Believe it. Trust your life to this Jesus. And if you're a Christian for many years, but you've grown cynical, and you've allowed unbelief and the cares and pressures of this world to crowd out your joy and peace, then Jesus speaks to you tonight. To hear the message, a Savior has been born for you. For you. Receive it and let the worship begin. Amen. Oh, God in heaven, you know our hearts. Jesus, this message should radiate through our soul, our mind and heart, joy and peace in believing. And so, Jesus, we confess our unbelief and we ask that you would give us then by your spirit wonderful, deep, vibrant faith in this incredible message that we would not only believe it to be true, but we would treasure it as the greatest truth we've ever known. And that, Lord, this truth would arm us for whatever trials we face, would comfort us in whatever griefs and sorrows we know. That in spite of all the brokenness and all the sickness and all the sin that's around us and within us, this fact remains, a Savior has been born to us this night in the city of David, and he is Christ the Lord. And the work that you began on that beautiful night will one day culminate in a glorious morning when Jesus returns and the dawn breaks on a new heaven and a new earth and all things are made new and we are welcomed into our eternal home. And Jesus, I pray that, that those truths, those realities, those promises would be received by your people in a way that transforms how we think and how we feel, how we live, how we spend our time, how we spend our money, what we do with our bodies as we look forward to seeing this King, this Savior, one day face to face. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing that wonderful Christmas hymn,